0: Welcome to Broad Gauge Gossips, the podcast where you can learn about the faculty of the Department of Military History in the US Army Command and General Staff College. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Department of the Army, Department of Defense, or US government. Hello, we are here with Lieutenant Colonel Dr. Nate Jennings.
1: Hi, good to be with you.
0: Uh, He is an assistant professor of military history at the Department of Military History. And uh, let's start by having you tell us a little bit about your uh, background and research interests.
1: Yeah, so I'm a career army officer, background in armored warfare. Uh, And my research interests are pretty wide and varied, but uh, my foundational research for uh, doctoral studies was in the Texas frontier experience uh, of warfare on the Great Plains, uh, looking at how various actors adapted, uh, competed, um, and kind of what led to some of the outcomes there. Um, also, just by virtue of uh, kind of my trade as an officer, uh, I do I do some other focus on uh, cavalry in the nineteenth, 20th century. Um, I sometimes will take uh, look at emerging army concepts like, Uh, forms of maneuver, um, fires complex, and try to look for analogous uh, events in history with which to better understand them.
0: Okay, Um, tell us a little bit about your academic background. How did you get to your PhD, especially doing it while in uniform?
1: Yeah, well, so I um, was very fortunate. Uh, I was a history major in my undergrad, but then after just doing a normal kind of army pathway as a, a lieutenant, as a captain, I was very fortunate to be uh, selected to teach at West Point. And so West Point has a wonderful program where they send their instructors to first get a master's degree in the discipline they will teach. For me, it was uh, history. And so I was able to go to the University of Texas and really learn uh, to be a historian. That's that's where I, I kind of picked up the trade and uh, a lot of wonderful mentorship from professors there. Um, and so th- after that, going to teach at West Point, teaching history, to some, you know, just Uh, at a very, um, I would say, very high level. The students challenge you. You have to really bring your A-game, I think, uh, to teach there. And so I learned a lot about just teaching further research. I was able to really work on a book there, articles, and uh, so that's kinda where I figured out that I like doing this.
0: Okay, and uh, about your PhD?
1: And then uh, so moving on from there, I I attended another uh, history centric masters program at the School of Advanced Military Studies also attended CGSC where I teach now and then uh, just because of uh, issues with uh, location I ended up going with a a British program uh, the University of Kent to complete my uh, PhD studies in Texas Frontier Warfare.
0: Okay Um, in addition to the core and AOC classes that we all teach what else do you teach and work on here?
1: Yeah. So uh, I'm the course author for the uh, elective great campaigns in modern warfare uh, and so that's um, something that all the students who are attending the school of advanced military studies have to take so it's a prerequisite for them but also any other students that just want a more advanced experience with uh, with history here at the staff college so in the course director it's five seminal campaigns and we we this year kind of looked at it the lens of operational art which uh, has many definitions but we could say it's the arrangement of tactics in space and time to achieve strategic ends. And so we use something like that, and the students are actually allowed to come up with their own definition, their own framework, to look at uh, campaigns ranging from uh, Napoleon's invasion of Russia to the Ardennes offensive in 1944 by the Germans uh, to uh, Dien Bien Phu and uh, the 1973 Arab-Israeli War. So quite a wide menu. Forgot to mention Antietam in there too. Um, To to look at some of the patterns and understand how different armies won and lost in these these campaigns
0: Okay, very good Uh, Let's drill down on some of the stuff you've talked about so I I'm a native Texan I understand the attraction of Texas (laughs) for somebody like me, but what what attracted you to Texas history?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm I'm actually I'm from Alaska so I'm a northerner Uh, I just happen to be stationed at Fort Hood, which is in uh, central Texas and when I was going to attend UT, I knew I needed a master's thesis topic. And my uh, kind of route to picking up uh, the Texas frontier, a lot of focus on Texas Rangers, was uh, kind of indirect. I started with the Mexican-American War. And like, like all things, it's kind of chance. Uh, there was one sentence in the, at the end of one book about that war, about the American occupation of Central Mexico. And it talked about how the commanding general, a U.S. Army general, brought in a regiment of Texas Rangers to do guerrilla warfare, because uh, these were mounted guys who understood the climate and had fought Mexicans before. And so I said, I, I want to know more about these guys. And that kind of led me into the, into the field.
0: Very nice. And, and so or, are you able to spend time kind of researching on the ground or in archives the work of, of these men? Are you, are you taking advantage of kind of the modern digital archival uh, research?
1: Yeah, uh, more so during my, um, during my studies for my degrees. Uh, yes, definitely the archives at the University of Texas were amazing. Uh, and Texas has a, uh, a real fascination with its own history, as any, any Texan will tell you. And they actually... I, I can confirm that. <laughs> they, uh, they will publish hard copy almost all of the memoirs, almost every memoir from every colonial militiaman under Stephen Austin, all of Austin's writings in these uh, in these large volumes same for Sam Houston it's so a lot of it you don't have to go even digital for it's on their library shelves. Um, these are primary sources um, but also Bayhar Ar- Ar- archives all digitized so a lot of amazing access so I didn't actually have to travel that much because I was there in the heart of Texas
0: yeah. Yeah, and that is convenient that you have a state that is so dedicated to its own history, for for good or for ill. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about kind of the other side of what you do here. Um, And and we have talked a lot about about some of this, but tell us a little bit about your efforts, as you mentioned, to kind of draw lessons from history towards emerging doctrine.
1: Yeah, so one of, I think one of our missions here at the staff college is, uh, you know, we all have our own personal research agendas, things we're interested in. Um, various organizations we're a part of, but we're also a part of the US Army and we're part of that institution. And so we have to make history relevant to people who are not historians. Um, so uh, of late, there's a new idea of, we're redesigning our divisions to be more, uh, more mobile, more uh, effective, uh, to fight large-scale combat operations. So I've been looking at some, some case studies. And for, for example, I picked up the Battle of France, the German invasion in 1940 and looking at what, what were the fundamentals, the mechanics behind uh, their success. Obviously a lot of chance, luck, but there are some things they did fundamentally right. Uh, so we're talking Panzer Group Kleist, Guderian's Corps, um, to enable that very deep penetration, a campaign level penetration. And so that's a, a project I've been working on, and I was uh, very privileged to speak with some folks at the 1st Cavalry Division in Texas about this. Um, trying to see and understand from history what can we learn and apply to uh, the contemporary environment. Um, A a separate study that I was actually just working on today is the idea that in the Pacific um, what can the Army do to be of of greater value to the joint force? Uh, It's this maritime theater and is there something about the rise of a missile complex, drones, things like that that the Army has uh, a certain amount of mass, resource availability that the other services don't have, where we could maybe shift our, po- our posture to be uh, fulfill some of uh, what I would call Mahanian theory of securing sea lanes, of dominating routes, applying sea control. Um, and so I've been, been, been playing around with, uh, quite a bit with that, but I don't have the full answer yet, but uh, it's been a fun project.
0: So how do you integrate these kind of two worlds into your teaching? Um, how do you take on the one hand history study on the other hand kind of this emergent doctrine study how does that plug into your teaching?
1: Yeah so every class is an opportunity uh, to find touch points parallels it could be at the end of class kind of a big so what discussion could be throughout Um, so for example the other day uh, we all taught the U.S. Army Airland Battle Reforms of the 1980s Army of Excellence and how that particular kind of division was designed to defeat war, the Warsaw Pact in large scale combat. So it's it's a uh, it's in a battlefield that's kind of framed by a deep fight, a close fight in front of you, a rear area behind you, and the army's designed to fight that way at that time. By the way, it's not the army we have now, but there's some reforms to go that way again. And So as as I was discussing that, showing them the structure for example, the I think it was the 2nd the Armor Division, 1989. Very similar to what we're going with to with the, the, the Waypoint 2030 reforms, which is to create a division that is again, not optimized to fight decentralized like we have now with super empowered brigade combat teams, but providing capabilities back to the division level to, uh, uh, to be able to shape a deep area to enable those brigades to fight. So that was one example to show how, you know not everything we're doing uh, is novel or completely new and there's a lot of pattern in the past we can look at.
0: So let's let's move back to your kind of uh, academic research side and, and put, pull some of these threads together even more tightly. How does a frontier conflict, maybe even a counterinsurgency conflict on the Texas frontier, how is that relevant to, as the Army would term it, a LISCO fight?
1: Yeah, so um, I can, you know, I I know I've lived this, some of the other officers that were in an army trained to fight large wars, and then were sent to do decentralized counterinsurgency. That's exactly the tension that, it, for example, the Texas Republic faced. Uh, along all their expansive frontiers, they're dealing with uh, a Comanche opponent that excels at mobile warfare, hit and run, deep raid, very hard to pin down. And they're the best in the world at it at that time, in my opinion. Uh, But at the same time, they have a very different threat south of the Rio Grande, and that's the Mexican Army, which is a combined arms, European-style army with cavalry, uh, artillery, light infantry, heavy infantry.
0: A lot of resources.
1: Resources, industry, uh, all of which Texas lacked at that time, a very immature state. Um, And so the challenge of their day, how how do you fight both at the same time? How do you make a defense structure that, with limited resources that can you know, do decentralized mobile warfare and mass or concentrate to do combined arms warfare. And uh, you know, it's very difficult. It challenged our army to do that in Iraq. Uh, and now we're moving away from that again towards a different kind of fight. Um, and for, for, to be honest, for the Texas Republic, they never solved the problem. Uh, once, you know, once they start to optimize for one thing, they get hit with a different kind of warfare uh, have to fight through it, adapt, and then they have to pivot again uh, because they just don't have the resources for a large standing army and a large ranger corps.
0: Oh, it's, it's fascinating. Uh, Dr. Jennings, thank you for being with us. My pleasure. Please be sure to check out our other podcast, A Confused Heap of Facts, where we sit down with military historians from the Department of Military History and special guests to talk about topics in military history.